you? You are amazing. How wonderful was it to worship together this morning? Are you good? Are you Raptors fans? All of Canada is. Who are the Raptors? Come on. <laughs> Who's Michael Bublé? Who's Celine Dion? Yeah. But Who's it is a privilege to be here. I haven't been here before, so I'm getting to meet this beautiful family for the first time. So hello. And I love it that we get to be friends with Juana's husband. Yes. <laughs> That's his claim to glory. That That's it. I'm married to the amazing Juana. There you go. Actually, I get introduced most often as Helen's husband. They go on and on about it's Helen. not true. And, oh, yeah, and, and here's her husband, <laughs> which is cool. It's happened about once in his whole life. He's still traumatized over it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually love it, really. And, and, of course you do. As Pastor Paul mentioned already, we actually, it was, it was so amazing to be able to uh, pass the baton of lead pastor in our church to my daughter. And I love that, you know, because one of my um, soapboxes is, is women. You have a voice. And we need to hear it. And without it, we only got half the message. Okay, so I'm, I'm really excited for what God is doing around the world. Can I just thank you, too, on behalf of ARC Canada, which is an amazing church planning organization. Thank you for your support. We Honestly, just planted our 18th, 18th church, church. You're a part in of Canada. that. Yes, and, our uh, 18th. And they're all thriving. They're thriving. And to come along new churches, so often churches fold so quickly because they don't have the support. And I love that about ARC Canada because it's not a denomination. It's just a group of amazing leaders across the land that want to actually be actively involved in planting life-giving churches across the breadth of this land. And boy, do we need each other because it's a big country with a relatively small population, but together we can make a difference. So you're a part of something much bigger than you realize that as you sow into the ministry of ARC, it's exciting to see. As a matter of fact, on Tuesday, there's going to be an ARC Toronto gathering and it'll feel like a big family reunion as pastors come from this, um, the greater GTA area and beyond to come along and to just celebrate and get ready to plant lots more churches across this amazing landscape. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We love church. Yeah. We really do. We absolutely love church. Why? Because this is the miracle soil. Mm -hmm. This is where miracles are birthed and grow. And our world needs miracles. Amen. Yeah. Our nation needs miracles. And I don't know if you know Canada. this, but God is doing something across our nation. God is moving in this nation. It, it is very, very exciting what's happening. So thank you, thank you. We're here, though, to just help inspire you, if we can, to build great relationships. Why? Yeah. Well, the best part of life is who you get to do it with. It's called relationships. We were actually created in the image of relationship. Mm -hmm. The Bible says, God, in the beginning, God said, let us. Make man in our image according to our likeness and let them, all plural. God the Father, we sang about it, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Three persons, one God. That's mm -hmm. relationship. We need to be our own individual self, but we need to come together and be connected as one. Mm -hmm. And so we've learned a few things over the years. We didn't start out 
You know, John and I got married when we were, you know, practically teenagers. Well, I was, in fact, a teenager. I was 18 years old. John was 21 years old. We met in high school. He was definitely the cutest boy on the football team. And so I just let somebody know, hey, that Johnny Burns is sure cute. And somebody told somebody, and he went. And, and she was the head out. cheerleader. Yep. Hubba, hubba. That was 100 years ago. Yes, I was. Hello, baby. But we... Um, so we get married with dreams in our hearts, loving each other, expecting, you know, this is going to be easy. We love each other. And uh, so we get married. John, right after got married, got accepted into dental school. And he had already done three years at university at the University of British Columbia. And now he was going to do four more years. So we got married in May and he was accepted like two weeks later into dental school. So that changed everything. So off he goes to dental school. We're living out at the campus. In that meantime, by the time he had graduated four years later, we had two little girls and I was very, very pregnant with our youngest daughter, Ashley, who is now 40. So we're really old now. And... Uh, I know when you say your baby's 40, people sometimes say, oh, how old are your children? They expect me to say 25 or something. I'm like, no, they're 40 and 43 and 44. And uh, our, our oldest daughter just, gradu- just celebrated her 25th wedding anniversary. Like, I remember when my parents did. They were ancient. And now my daughter has, so... Yeah, we're older than dirt. But anyhow, we're still madly in love with Jesus and madly in love with each other. But so we started on this great journey. I grew up, we both grew up going to church every weekend. It was what we did. Two very different churches and two very different homes that we were raised in. But you come together and you just think, we got this. We're going to do this. We know what we're doing. Only to find out by the time John graduated from dentistry, my heart was broken. And um, we had gone through a lot of crisis in our marriage. Not because of infidelity, not because of um, any abuse or anything like that, but truly out of neglect. I would have to say that was the crime we committed. We neglected each other. He got busy pursuing his career as a dentist. I got busy with babies. That's what we were doing. We forgot to take care of each other. So badly, really, and a lot of contentiousness, a lot of strife in our marriage. And I mean, I, could, I would never have imagined that this could happen. Um, and yet it did. And so now John is living up in northern British Columbia where he started his first dental practice. And I stayed behind in Vancouver with a broken heart, broken dreams, and feeling like a failure in everything that mattered to me. I felt like a failure as a Christian, a failure as a wife, a failure as a mother. And one night in a very desperate place, I cried out to God. And I had just tucked our two little girls into bed. They were three and two years old. And I had a moment with God. And I remember going back, looking at my big pregnant tummy about to give birth in about six weeks. And I said, what have I done with my life? And I remember crying out to God and saying, God, I've had life with you. And I've had life without you. And from this day forward, I'm not going to do one more step without you. And I remember thinking, I don't know if John's going to come on this journey with me. And some of you may be in that place today, that you're journeying without somebody in your world that you wish you were journeying in relationship with Jesus together with. But I made a decision I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm sorry for leaving you. I'm sorry that I've neglected your word. But from this day forward, you and me are going to go forward. And I prayed that John would too. And obviously, God answered those prayers. But God began to put our life back together. We had developed some really unhealthy habits in our relationship. And they come as a result of neglect. Whatever you is, is neglected is not protected. And our marriage was not protected 
And so today we want to share some relationship habits, things that we develop, five of them that are, to me, very core. It's not an exhaustive list, but they're very core to the strength and the health of our marriage and things we needed to implement because you have to behave your way to success. It's not going to just happen. You know, you can pray about it, but then you have to pray a you know, you can't just hear the word of God. It talks about, you know, you can't just be hearers. You have to be doers. You can't just be prayers. You have to be ones that step out in faith and do what you've prayed to believe for. And so I think that these habits that we want to share with you actually have been the things that have transformed our relationship. So we've been married now for 45 years and I've loved 41 of them. Um, the first five, four were not so great, but I think we, what we've learned, so you can learn from your failures, you can learn from your mistakes, your setbacks can become a comeback, and so we're going to talk about that today. You know all the good habits, you like teaching on this, I, this is John's happy I love place. teaching on, uh, on habits, because a lot of people think, that's just who I am, who are you? Yeah. You are your habits. You're the sum total of your habits. Yeah. But most of our habits, we just develop them by default. Yeah. It's just what we've seen and we've grown up with. And is it any surprise you end up looking like your parents and acting like your parents? And, it's, and for a lot of things, that's, that's okay if it's good. But if it's not, don't blame your parents. Actually, I think every one of us need to be purposely becoming. Who are you becoming? And you are who you habitually continue, to, the habits you habitually do is who you are. You know, and I think the two core muscles of life that cause us to become are the muscles of consistency and persistency. What we consistently push, persistently, what, and you know, for all of us, I think we should ask the question, who am I becoming? Yeah. So ask the question, what am I consistently and persistently working into my life mm -hmm. and for all of our relationships? I think relationships are the most important part of life, okay? And I think these habits will help for no matter what relationship you're talking about. But the first habit that Can we... Can I share the scripture first? Okay, go ahead. Because it's such a good one. This was a promise God gave me when our marriage was very broken. I, found, I believe everything you find in scripture, you need to claim it and, and, and build it into your life. When I saw what, the, you know, what a man of God looked like in the Bible, I, I put a circle around that scripture. I put John's name beside it. When I saw what a woman of God looked like in the word of God, I put my name in there, my children, um, our city, our country. I claim the truth of the word of God over my life more than what I see in the natural. And so what, that has to be what our vision is, what the word of God teaches us. And this scripture became like the poetry to my heart of what family could look like. And so I have, I have stood on this, and it says in Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 and 4, and this is not just true for family, it is true for every relationship, but it says through skillful and godly wisdom is a house, a life, a home, a family built, and by understanding it is established on a sound and a good foundation, and by knowledge shall the chambers of every area be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. So you have to apply skill and godly wisdom to build that good and sound foundation. What are you building on? So habit number one is the habit of discovery. Stay on a treasure hunt. Stay discovering. Don't ever think you know. Mm 
Once you think you know this person, you already know everything this person is, is done. You take that person for granted. You miss the miracle. Yeah. You miss the miracle. There's always a miracle on the other side of, of I want to know. I'm, I'm looking. I remember when we first met, and this is true for almost everybody that quote unquote falls in love. What do you mean you fall in love? You don't actually fall in love. You grow in love. But how does that happen anyway? Well, you actually see something in that person that's amazing. And typically what you see is not what you already have. It's what you don't have. It's what they can do that you can't do. And you go, wow, that's so amazing. And, and so you want to see more. So when we first met, and many of you in the room, you want to see more. So you know what you do? You go on a date. What's a date? A date's this special planned time to discover, to get to know who you are. And I call it a treasure hunt. And I think for every one of us in the room, we need to be purposely dating, okay? If you're married, for sure, you should be dating. Date your spouse for the rest of your life. If, if you got children, date your children. Dates are these special planned times to discover. Often we get the question, this is where we have a television show, been doing this for decades, but the one right now is on the Hillsong channel. It's called Sex, Love, and Relationships. And often we get the question from a secular world, how do you stay in love for a lifetime? Like, come on. Most people out there in our, in our world think marriage, that's outdated. Marriage is, and, and they would put one word over it, boring. Why? Maybe it's because a lot of married people look bored. Have you ever been to a restaurant? You've seen two people sitting together and you know they're married? Because they're both on the cell phone. And they're, and, and they're both <laughs> bored. And maybe we need to change that. You know what people say about church? Boring. Not this one, but, you know, many churches. Boring. Maybe we need to change that. So how do you stay in love for a lifetime? Two words. Stay amazed. This is a key to life. Stay amazed. You can get bored with anything if you want. Your choice. Or you could stay amazed. And to stay amazed, simply you need to continually be on a treasure hunt. Continually. In every area of life. Stay amazed with church. Don't come to church. Oh, I've been there so many times. I know everything. Stay amazed with God's word. Well, I heard that verse before. No. You see, when, when you take something for granted, you miss the miracle. People took Jesus for granted when he was in his own hometown because they thought they knew him. He's the carpenter's son. And it's amazing. It's always been amazing to me that the Bible actually says because of that, he could not do any great miracles. Not that he wouldn't. He couldn't. They handcuffed God. How? By taking him for granted. When we take things for granted, we miss the miracle on the other side of it. So one of the keys... Build this habit into your life. Just the other day, someone asked me, how do you stay so excited all the time? Like, you're, you're old. <laughs> I'm 66, and, and I don't think that's old, but how do you stay so excited? It's simply, it's a habit to stay amazed. It's a habit. Just all the time work to stay amazed. I think it's such a habit. We don't work at it all anymore. It's just, it's something we've discovered, the wonder, why would we want to miss out on it? You know what? Just God is always up to something and he's always, there's something beautiful and just the fact even, it's not just in marriage. We have three daughters, as I mentioned, and they were all born within three and a half years. They're not identical. 
Each, even if they were identical, if they were triplets, uh, they're unique. And so you, be, you stay amazed with each individual person. And so I think the people, especially those closest to you, it is our responsibility to be, to be the discovery person. And which brings me to my, the second point is about develop a habit of praise. It is so easy to find what's wrong with somebody. You know, you, can, you walk in your home and you see, you know, like, it, I don't know about you, I'm a bit OCD, but I just see, why did John leave that coffee cup there? Why did he? Like, the dishwasher is six inches away. What is wrong with this? He's got his doctorate. He's quite a genius, actually. He can do all kinds of amazing things, but he's incapable of putting a cup into the dishwasher. And uh, why is it when I see a whole house, he's, you know, made dinner or something, and all I can see is, you're a slob, is what I think. He's not. I just wouldn't do that. But that's just because I'm OCD. But, and he thinks, what is your issue, woman? But this is the thing. How stupid of me to do that. And yes. yet, yes, you can all amen. He'd be happy if you amen that. But amen, I, come on. Amen, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> but bottom line is, it's like anything. You look in the mirror, you see the pimple. You see a wrinkle. You, 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 we have a habit of seeing what's wrong. And I think it's so easy to notice the negative. It takes willpower and choice to keep looking for the wonder. You know, we celebrated my mom's 85th birthday just on Thanksgiving Monday, actually. And honestly, she's my hero in my life. Maybe the thing I love about her the most, she loves Jesus passionately, but maybe the thing I love about her the most is all of my life. She has been the most happy, up, positive person I've ever known. And I've always said, it's hard to be your daughter. You set the bar pretty high. And, but, you know, what a wonderful thing to, to be known for seeing the good in people. She's not afraid to call out stuff that needs to be called out. And we need to do that. But she first sees the wonder. And I want to be more like that. I think she's just developed that. And it's not because her life is easy. And it's not because everything's gone perfect. But she's in love with Jesus, in love with people. So she looks for the good in people. And has taught me all of my life life how to do that but her doing it didn't make it work for me I had to learn it on my own and so catch yourself there's so much power in praise yeah so much power in praise your words are more powerful than all the nuclear weapons on the planet you know that and your praise words are so so powerful I love being able to speak words that you just recognize change eternity It's not that difficult. Really, it isn't. When you pray about those people and God shows you those amazing things, whether it's your kids or whether it's your friends, who doesn't matter who it is, speak into their life and, and d- d- you know, develop a habit of that. Do you know that one day when we stand before God, we'll give an account for every idle word? You know what an idle word is? It's a useless, non-productive, powerless word. Don't say those words. Choose to only speak words that change the world. And, and I know it's, it's difficult, but it's, it's something that we just work to build a habit into our life. I'm going to tell on myself, this isn't in our notes, but years and years ago when God began to restore my, our marriage, I was finding it really hard to compliment John. I just did. I mean, I know he's pretty great. Now I find it easy, but I found it hard. Why? Because it was like I was hurting. I thought, I'll say something nice when he says something nice. I'll say I love you when he says I love you. And I realized I was waiting a really long time for any of that. So 
Anyhow, we were not good at taking care of that part of it. And so I just started to withhold kindness and words of blessing. And one day I'm reading, as you do in the Bible, and you find yourself in the Bible. I found myself in the form of Sarah and how she addressed um, Abraham. And <laughs> in the Bible, it talks about in 1 Peter chapter 3, how she adored him, how she revered him. The Amplified Bible is John's favorite um, translation because it's a lot of You've words. You've got to buy the Amplified just for that yeah, verse. But it's about honoring your husband. And I'm reading that one day and I felt the Holy Spirit say, you need to start doing that. I'm like, um, do you want to tell him that too? Um, but I felt like he addressed it to me and I was having this argument with God because I just had withheld my kindness and withheld my words out of hurt because hurt people hurt people. And so I, I said, okay, God, I'll do it. And so I'm like, okay, I'll do it next week. I don't know what day, but it wasn't that day. I felt like I made a deal with God, which was ridiculous when I think about it now. But, you know, I was, I was a, a work in, in the making. And so I made a commitment to God. I'd do it by a certain day. And the day came, and I thought, oh, God, what am I going to say to John? What am I going to say to John? Because I hadn't said anything nice for a long time. And, uh, and one day, I, it just blurted it out. And I'm like, I don't know, I paid him a compliment on something. And he looks at me and he goes, what did you say? And I'm like, seriously, God, I have to say it twice. And, uh, but I did. But this is the thing. I think it broke a spirit in our household, in my heart. Well, it broke a spirit of negativity. And I began to find that it just opened up something. And I was so glad that I just was willing to listen to the Holy Spirit, to not withhold. And you might say in our home, oh, we don't do that. See, in John's home, he never heard, I love you. In my home, I heard it every day. In his home, he never heard, I'm proud of you. I heard it all the time. And so for me, I was like, why wouldn't he say these things to me? Often where we've come from has formed our behavior. And so when that doesn't happen, I got hurt. We both had to learn how to communicate with each other in a way that was building one another up. Whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are praiseworthy, think on these things. And it changed our marriage. We changed that spirit in our home. I want to encourage you, be, be someone who finds the good. Don't just find it, tell somebody you found it. Use your words. Number three is the habit of connecting. Okay? Really, you know, communication. People always say that's the most important, and it is. But communication is for the purpose to connect. And you don't connect till you connect. Connecting means you actually get inside, see through their eyes, hear through their ears. I discovered that years ago. I took, I, I had this idea, took my oldest daughter on a date. She was eight years old at the time. And we went on this date and, and she just was so excited about it. I didn't know it meant so much to her, but we, we get to this restaurant and have a candlelight dinner together. And then I thought, how do you talk to an eight-year-old? I had no idea. I loved her with all my heart, but I had no idea what was going on in her little world because mine was bigger and so much more important. But I began to ask her some questions, you know, and I began to, like, what do you do all day? I don't know. Um, do you have friends? And, and she began to open up, and I made this amazing discovery. Everyone has their own world. It's not your world. It's not the same as your world. It's a brand new world. It's their world. And they want you in, but you have to want to understand. You have to want to know what's going on in their world. And that's what connecting is all about. And it is the purpose of communication. And I would encourage everybody in the room, people often ask me, especially, you know, pastors say, what's the most important thing I could do to make sure that my marriage and my family and everybody, you know, stays on track. And I says, easy, get a calendar. 
Ah, I use an iPhone. No, not your iPhone. Get a big calendar, a paper one, and put it up in the house where everyone can see it. And on that calendar, put the most important words in your life, and they have names. It's your spouse and it's your children, and they'll walk by that thing over and over again, and they're going to be your police to make sure that you do what you want to do. It's the accountability that makes you actually go on that date. When you go on a date, that's the whole purpose is to connect, you know, and until you connect, you know, Helen always talks about it like, you know, your, your cell phone. When you get into a new hotel, you want to get online, you have to get the password. You get the password, you enter it, and this thing going around, 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 then all of a sudden it clicks, and you're connected. You can't get a download until you connect. It's the same with relationships. And so often over the years, 45 years we've been married, and we, I'll, I'll still hear this every once in a while, where are you? I'm right here. No, no, where are you? Let me in. What's going on? And see, that's, the, that's the, the purpose of relationships. But we have to make that a habit to stay connected. It's so easy to drift. So what if you're not married? What if you don't have children? It's still the principle. Of relationships. Of relationships is to connect, to try to see through their eyes. You know, for instance, we could solve all the racial problems in the world if people would just recognize that all of us are ignorant. In other words, I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know what you see. I don't know your story, but I want to know. That opens the door to communication that really does create relationships. My stance toward everybody in this world is I know I'm ignorant, but I don't want to be stupid. Stupid is I think I know, or I know I know, or I don't want to know. The fact is, I, don't, I know I don't know it, but I want to know. That's the beginning of wisdom. Number four, the fourth habit. I think you already talked about, number four, we call it the habit of investment. And that is about the time you spend with one another. John talked about dating our daughters and having that ongoing relationship. John and I have been faithfully committed to family nights, to date nights. We actually have the 11th commandment in the Burns household. It's called honor the date night, which you cannot, you know, even now we've, you know, we've been empty nesters for quite a while. But we don't just take for granted, I know what's going on in you. We regularly put time aside to invest into one another. And, and I, I believe so truly, um, so strongly, that whatever isn't invested into isn't really, a, isn't protected. Because what you are sowing into, what you are giving life to, is simply this thought too of where is the grass going to be green? It's going to be where it's watered, where it's weeded, where it's given attention. And that doesn't happen with good intentions. It happens with investment. And it's, it's, it's kind of the elbow grease. Somebody has to go out there and do the work, and that is the investment. And so even that day when I made that investment of complimenting John, that was a deposit. But what I didn't leave it there. I have kept depositing and kept depositing. I've had to say sorry when I've said harsh words. We work on our relationship. And, and this is the truth. Our lives are full. Our lives are full. And I, and I actually hate the word busy. It's actually a swear word to me 
Because I think busy denotes, I'm out of control. Life is busy, 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 busy. I could, people look at us and say, you've got a busy life. You're always going, 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 going. No, I don't have a busy life. I have chosen what's on my agenda. I have chosen, sometimes life is hectic. Sometimes life is, is a little bit crazy and has chaos. But that's not my whole life. I get back to normalcy for a season at least. But I, and I don't really think there's even such a thing as living in balance. And I think Pastor Paul, obviously, his, his, his book is going to be a great tool for people. We live in a world out of control, which they, we don't know how to rest anymore. That's a decision. Because God actually commands us to. It's a biblical principle that we rest. And, and why does he call it labor and pursuit? Because we have to do it. Well, that comes out of making a choice that you organize your life or else your chaos will organize you. And I believe we are raising a culture, children in a culture. This is my, you know, I could get on a soapbox and preach for this forever. We've got, we're going everywhere, we're doing everything, but we're not having time with face-to-face communication. We're not connecting with each other. We, we may be texting each other all day. That doesn't mean you're connecting. I, I, I am a passion. I'm one that will advocate for get back to the table. Sit down and have a meal together. Put your phones away. Look at each other in the eyeballs and connect with one another. That takes investment. No one's going to do it for you. You can't be someone else's spouse. You, you are the, I mean, you are a spouse to one person. You are the parents to whoever God put in your life. If you are a CEO of a company, God has entrusted you with that staff. Somebody else isn't going to do that for you. You have to do it. All the other things somebody else can do. But the things nobody else can do, you make sure that you invest in the soil of, of, that God has entrusted to so you. So good. So good. If you want your relationship to crash and burn, you know what you have to do? Nothing. Just do nothing. Mm-hmm. And it will crash and burn. Investing is always giving. It's always going to cost you. Every relationship costs. Love costs. If it doesn't cost, it's not love. It's just a feeling. But we need to be. So question is, who are you investing in? What relationships are you investing in? Yeah. It's, it's purposeful. And the last habit is the habit of fun. Fun is so important. It's actually medicinal. It is. It, it's, Proverbs 17.22 says yeah. a happy heart a does se- good like a medicine. Take a Proverbs 17.22. Yeah. Just have fun. You know, I was dating my daughters, and I thought that was so great. I actually was teaching, I wrote a book on it and everything else, and then not too many years afterwards, I find them, them uh, making excuses not to go on a date with me. And, you know, I was feeling pretty wounded. So I asked Helen to figure this out, because you go and be a spy, and she comes back and says, easy, you're boring. You're predictable. The girl said it's like going on a date with the school principal. <laughs> Poor Johnny. But he decided, what do you want to do that's fun? But and actually, he changed. That was the key. Fun is the biggest guarantee that this isn't the last time. And it's important for every area of life that we actually make room to have fun. Laugh. Laugh at yourself. I, I mean, she's got, she's going to live a lot longer than me. She laughs every day. She, her, her goal is to laugh every day to the point of tears at me. Pretty much I do, but he, he gives me lots of reasons. And so I think he... Yeah, you quite enjoy making me laugh. Thank you. Anyway, it all starts with Jesus. It's an amazing life that we get to live. Can't believe we get to do this. But it starts with him. So how are you doing? How's your relationship with God? 
How's, how's the intimacy into him see your relationship with him? Can I pray for you? Can I just invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes? Just take a moment of privacy. Just give that person next to you a moment of privacy. What's God saying to you? What's your takeaway? It's, it's amazing how when someone's speaking, Holy Spirit takes everything and applies it perfectly to us, and he speaks to us. What's he saying to you? What's your takeaway today? Are you going to leave the way you came, or are you going to leave better? It's a choice. I'd love to pray a simple prayer for you. If when you walked in here today, your relationship with God was not what it could be, what it should be, you know it, God knows it. Don't leave like that. You can change it right now. Maybe you've never had a relationship with God. You knew about him. You believe there is a God, but you don't know him. Really, Christianity is a relationship, and it's all about knowing him intimately, knowing him. If you've never invited Jesus into, the, into your heart, the intimacy of your heart, that's where he wants to make his home. Then today's your day. I want to pray a simple prayer for you. I won't embarrass you. I'll pray for you right where you sit. But you, you, the only one that can say yes to God. Maybe you're here and you say, I can remember a day when I prayed a prayer like that. But I know I'm not where I need to be today. There's a distance between God and I. Don't leave like that. You can get back to where you were, where Jesus, Lord of all, in your heart, your life. Could I pray for you? All over the room with your heads bowed, no one looking around. That's you. If you'd say, include me in that prayer. I'm not, I, I don't want to leave the way I came in. I want my relationship on fire, intimate with God. If that's you, wherever you're sitting, slip your hand up. Could I include you in this prayer? Thank you. Thank you. Who else? You've not slipped your hand up. Could I pray for you? Could I include you in this prayer? You don't have to leave the way you came, but it is your choice. How are you doing? Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Is there anyone else? I love the moment of decision. It's really between you and God. When your hand goes up, you're saying, yes, please, me, or anyone else. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, you put your hands down. I'm going to invite everyone in the room to pray this simple prayer. I'll just give you the words. Prayers, talking to God. We're going to do it together. And if you slipped your hand up, just pray this with all your heart. Everyone say this, Lord Jesus. Thank you for loving me for dying on that cross to pay for my sins so that right now I could receive you into my heart as my Lord. I thank you, Jesus. I confess Jesus is my Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap, church. God bless you. Wasn't it amazing? Oh, come on. Let's just recognize that.